Well, the end of the year is nearly upon us. And let's face it, this year, more than any year, feels like there's just been too much to watch, too much to read, too much to listen to and buy. Yet, how many times are you finding yourself attempting to buy gifts for people or sitting on the couch not knowing what to watch, what to buy? Scrolling through your phone with no clue anymore of what is good and what is worth giving your time to. Well, all this choice is overwhelming. And as I've said before, it produces an anxiety in me. And that's why I've created this podcast. From the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network, this is The Selection Box, the new monthly podcast where I and our team of experts sift, shift and sift through the junk that's out there so that you don't have to. From here on and from last month on, we've become... For a lot of people, the one-stop shop for recommendations on everything from TV series, film, books, albums, podcasts, apps, gadgets and uh, gizmos. Got to go into Pat Kenny there. And later in the show, we will have all of uh, these brilliant contributors, Ethna Shortall on books, uh, movies and TV with Rory Cashin and Owen Doherty and Una Minkavna on tech. And to hear those conversations in full, you'll get a snippet here now. Come on over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Get all the recommendations and all the fun of these chats in one place. But to kick things off, we have the one and only Tom Dunn is here. Tom, how are you this week? I'm very well indeed. And that's that's an absolutely sterling cast of people you have put me amongst there. (laughs) Um, Honoured to be even near them, sitting at a virtual table. Well, Tom, people people loved episode one and they particularly loved your recommendations. I myself was making a point of listening to everything and reading everything that was recommended last time so that I could stand over it all. Really some great shouts last time. This week we obviously tasked you with the, I mean, it's a big one. 2020, when you look back on it yeah. musically, what were your hopes getting in there? Well, looking back on it uh, is, is a really unusual thing. I do reviews every year and I just go into every year with no great expectation. Just to, It's always a surprise. You know, the day that I'm not able to recommend 20 albums at the end of the year that I think are brilliant, I suppose I'll have to step down, won't I? That'll be the end of it. <laughs> um, it hasn't happened yet. I can't see any sign of it happening. Mm. But the idea of looking back in a year that's been visited upon by an actual plague, that is... <laughs> That's fairly unique. It you is. know, I mean, you look down on how people have been releasing albums and then saying, and I wonder how the plague is going to affect all of this. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So be clear, my, my review of the year musically is divided in before the plague and then after the plague. And and the no doubt they're two very very different worlds because um, January always starts uh, quietly. It was an old friend of ours, Pat Fitz, used to be the piano player in uh, something happened. Sadly, passed away about two years ago. And he used to always talk to us about January, Northern Ireland accent. And he'd always say, you know, not a sausage, Timus. You won't earn a sausage in January, Timus, in music. <laughs> he used to call me Timus. And, um, and it's the truth. So I was looking back on, on January and it was fairly quiet. There was a lovely track from Waxahachie and Laura Marling was good and Tame Impala and Krungda and Caribou. Stuff like that it was all, all pretty promising. But it's a different world. It's a different landscape. You're looking at it. And you're thinking, it's like watching, you know, a film about a ship that sinks. It's like the Titanic. You're, 
you're just waiting for the appearance of the iceberg. Mm. You know, you just you're waiting for it to come. So that world, there's some beautiful stuff in March. March in particular, the beginning of March, Corner Shop, Gorillas, Strokes and the Undertones. <laughs> best of. If I was to pick one from that early part of pre-plague year, it's a band called Caribou. And that's a guy from Canada called Dan Snaith. And he is a very, very cool DJ mainly samples people and, and puts together DJ sets around their music, but also produces his own music. Mm. And over the course of the last years has just blossomed into a really, really cool guy. So his album at the beginning of the year uh, was exactly as you would have expected. It was beautiful. And I'm going to pick a little bit of a track from it called Lime, which will will set people up. And it'll be the last mention in this thing of, of the pre-plague world. Um, the days when we were young and innocent. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's hear it. <laughs> Um, you know what's funny, Tom, is that I was obviously gearing up in January, February for I was recording a special at Ficker Street and, you know, I had to kind of then just put a pin in it all. And it the award-winning Irish author Etna Shortall joins me again to talk about books and Etna, you knocked it out of the park last episode with those recommendations. All I'm hearing from people is how great those recommendations were. I'm glued to, as you know, I'm a huge audiobook guy as well as mm. uh, whatever ones I get sent in the post. Uh, I've been running an awful lot for the Irishman running abroad and what is it? What uh, a funny age. Was that the name of it? What was uh, 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 such a fun age such a fun age such a fun age is absolutely amazing and uh, so clever and yeah. so great for run I have to say it's so great for run because running can be so uh, <laughs> can be so serious at times but really you just forget where you are and go with that I'd imagine that you were racking your brains in the lead up to this episode with so much choice I mean what are we talking about here? How many books have been released this year and how many would you I say know. that you loved? Yeah, and I'll, like how many did I read? And then I was, at the beginning of the year, I was finding it hard to read. And then in the summer, I started reading a huge amount. So like, you know, it's definitely not a concise overview of the year. I do think all the books did come out this year that I'm, I'm going to speak about today. Yeah. Mm. But like, obviously, you know, you read older books and that as well. So, yeah. yeah. And then there are years like I'm, I was putting it together a list for something else of great great Irish novels of this century so far and like I suddenly found that there were you know like loads I loved in 2018 or in 2005 and there are just years like that where you you like and I'm sure the same amount of good books are published every year it's just whatever you happen to be recommended or you pick up you know mm. so but I have four for you today. So the first one you want to recommend is Richard Osman's The Thursday Murder Club. Now, you'd have to be living under a stone not to know who Richard Osman is, but maybe explain to the listeners who might not know who he is, what he is and how good is this book? He is the very tall, the speckled Englishman that we know from TV, I think mainly from Pointless, mm. the game show which he co-presents. And he also created, which I did not know before looking this up today. But he's been on he's been on lots of TV programs and he's very loved in England. Um, and it, it was reported last year, uh, 2019, that he got his first 
book deal. And it was, you know, one of those headline book deals. He got a, a million pounds or at, at least a million pounds for two books, which is just phenomenal. And then, so the first one came out in the latter half of this year and it was called The Thursday Murder Club. Now, it probably doesn't need any more promo or spotlight on it. I mean, it's currently a contender for being, you know, the best-selling fiction book in Ireland this year and really? will be, I think. Yeah, I think it will be for the UK um, where it's just proven so popular. But the thing is, it's good, you know. Sometimes there are books that get a lot of attention and they don't deserve it, but this really does. Mm. Um, so it's called The Thursday Murder Club. It's about four residents of a upmarket retirement village in Kent. And so they meet on Thursdays and they discuss cold cases. Um, one of their members, Elizabeth, she's the most savvy. I don't know exactly what she's supposed to have done in her working life, but something like a spy or, you know, something exciting like that. And she has a lot of contacts. Anyway, she gets files and they go over cold cases and try to crack them. And then one day they have a real murder to solve when the manager of their retirement village, which is called Cooper's Chase, is murdered. Uh, he's not a very nice man, so the reader doesn't feel too sad to see him gone. And the four of them set about trying to find out who did him in and why they'd want him dead. Now, the other thing is that, you know, the, the retirement village uh, is built around an old convent site and they're now planning to develop over a graveyard. So it's sacrilegious. So you just know that these people are going to come to a bad end and you don't feel too bad that they do. It's a it's a f unusual one, to be honest with you. Well, I guess when people saw that book deal, there was a certain amount of eyebrows raised. They're like, well, how can an unproven author get this kind of a deal? And, you know, when a book when if we know him, we know that he's very witty and he's a super nice guy. I think I've even interacted with him a couple of times on Twitter and he's very funny. He did the Crisp World Cup at one point. Oh, uh, yes, yes. And, I think uh, he did the uh, Christmas song World Cup one year as well. What was the greatest Christmas song? Yeah, uh, yeah. I just didn't see this coming. Um, how, um, like, uh, put this in context, like, why is this book doing so well? Like, what is it about this book if you're trying to sell this to your partner as something that you might like this Christmas? It's so cosy, you know, it's very, very English. I cannot imagine an Irish author writing this. It is just like the kind of tea time drama you might see, uh, like, say, Midsummer Murders, but, you know, with a comic twist and, and very well written. So I'm, I'm, that's not to say that it's it's pat or generic. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that's its appeal, especially this year, you know. I mean, it is technically a murder investigation, but... It does. It never feels real enough that you 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 really think a terrible crime has been committed. You are in it for the journey. It's a who done it because we're trying to find out who killed the the retirement village's manager, Tony Kern. But we don't really mind. The joy is the journey, as they say, um, and it's how the four. I think they're in their seventies and eighties. How the four of them come to you know, like how they investigate this. And it's about their life in the retirement village. That's another thing it does really well. Like it's older, the older people are the star, but it's not patronising. And they're living in a retirement village, but they're having a great time. Like the Waitrose truck is constantly <laughs> arriving and it's clattering with wine, you know. They're all drunk by lunchtime. They're just, <laughs> they're having a great time. And there is a younger police officer who they befriend, Donna. She's kind of charmed by them and she ends up feeding them information. And we're very invested in her and her, her younger storyline. So, so it's just lovely. I think that's the appeal of the book. It's a lovely book. Elizabeth went back to her question. How long would the girl stabbed with the kitchen knife have to live? 
I guessed that unattended she would probably die in around 45 minutes. Well, quite, Joyce, she said, and then had another question. What if the girl had had medical assistance? Not a doctor, but someone who could patch up a wound. Someone who'd been in the army, perhaps. Someone like that. I have seen a lot of stab wounds in my time. My job wasn't all sprained ankles. So I said then, well, she wouldn't die at all. So I should say, Edna, you mentioned last time you were on that you were doing this first draft. How did that go for you? How How is your month being God. in that direction? <laughs> I don't <laughs> even like want to talk from the about stone it. Again. It's like, I mean, I handed it in, but I don't really know. Well, we've now come to the movies, TV and streamables section of the selection box. I'm joined by Owen Doherty and Rory Cashin. Hello, boys. Hello, Charlotte Raven. Hello. Merry Christmas month. Good to have you both back. Uh, the challenge I set the boys this week after our first episode was uh, compromise viewing was the thing at the top of my list. I think everybody has that experience of, oh, well, that's something you can watch by yourself. I want to find a compromise viewing this Christmas, something that the boys know will appeal across the board. And as we know, we've all watched a Tommy Tiernan DVD with the family at Christmas and realised this was a mistake. Um, so that's that's the challenge that I've put to the boys in one of our categories. We have t three other categories, including film of the year, documentary of the year and Christmas movie. Christmas movie. I mean, maybe we should start there, lads, because to me, there's only one Christmas movie that will unite everybody and that is Elf. What did you pick Rory first of all and on what basis were you making the choice? I based it on a Christmas movie that I think was maybe a little underappreciated, maybe underseen. Uh, I do agree Elf is amazing and it needs to be seen by everyone and it's a fantastic family pick hmm. but I think anyone who might have listened to the episode last month would know that I am not family orientated so uh, I definitely aim more towards how do I put it adult viewing yes okay selfish we'll, 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 we'll put it that way so I went with The Night Before which I don't know if either of you have seen it uh, I have I not have. seen it but I've probably seen the picture yeah it's the one with Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anthony Mackie and the three of them are basically best mates who are trying to get into the coolest, most exclusive Christmas party happening in New York. It's almost like an adult Charlie and the Chocolate Factory deal. Right. No, and I actually very, have very seen very this movie and I'm interested to know. So, Owen, you haven't seen it. This isn't one that you can show all the family. It is It is rated. What is it rated? It'd be I'd an R. 16s. Yeah, 16s. Yeah. And, you know, on paper, the three lads together. Uh, I, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, I didn't have my socks knocked off by this movie, I'll be honest with you. Um, oh. What is it about this movie that you love? Because, you know, I, I, di I wasn't, didn't have my socks knocked off by Elf first time around or Zoolander. But both of those movies <laughs> yeah, are now my favourites. Yeah, like I think it's the chemistry between the three leads for sure helps it a lot. I like that there is so many different types of comedy in it. Like, I'm a big fan of, obviously, profiles and physical comedy is great. 
they all partake in some adult substances that helps kind of move Delilah along in a very different direction. Michael Shannon is in there as a very odd character who keeps popping up throughout, almost like a, a Christmas Carol kind of ghost. And it, it like it has a heart behind it as well. Just mm. the whole idea of like how you know male friendships are not what they used to be twenty or thirty years ago. Uh, yeah, just just it, it it all combines together for me for like a, a Christmas film that I think is a lovely story told very well, and there's always a joke about thirty seconds away. Mm. Now I know that it is hard to convince uh, people to watch. Seth Rogen movies if they're not already fans of The Interview, Bad Neighbours, This Is The End or even, you know, Super Bad. These just are things that you either like or you don't like. And probably some of those movies haven't aged that well. Certainly the ladsier movies of the 2010 kind of vicinity haven't aged well. If I'm trying to convince someone to watch this, what do I say? Well, if they're not a Seth Rogen fan, you can let them know that it actually isn't mostly his movie. It focuses more on Joseph Gordon-Levitt, okay. um, who is a really good comedic actor. And uh, I know he's kind of veered more into drama lately, but he is he can be very funny when he wants to be. And it's got it's just got a very sharp script. And even outside of the three leads, it's got a fantastic supporting cast of very funny actors. Everyone in it. Is bringing their A game comedy wise, but yeah, just to give it a, just to give it a go. It's not even that long. I think it's about an hour and a half. So even if you do hate it, it'll be over before you uh, <laughs> can develop an opinion. What an amazing recommendation to kick things off. <laughs> <laughs> that includes you can tell them it'll be over soon. <laughs> Una Minkavna's here for our tech compartment of the selection box. I don't know if selection box is my favourite title for the show, because I believe that when you find a selection box in the house at any time of the year, it is a cause for celebration. (laughs) I don't know about you, but there's always someone back in the day who had a selection box produced out of nowhere. And what we are doing on this show is trying to, as I said at the start, sift through the, the rubbish and try and get to the good stuff. But what I love about our chats in Aming is that we kind of take a much broader approach than simply pulling an individual thread and going, that's what we'd like to look at. So when I spoke to you on WhatsApp this month, we discussed talking about gaming. And then just before we came on here, I spoke to you about how scared I got last night watching a documentary I should have watched a long time ago on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. And it it spoke about, uh, you know, the dangers and the blind spot of a lot of these companies. And for some of them, it's not a blind spot. It's a direct decision to make the apps they're making deliberately addictive. I got scared and I got scared for the decisions that I'm making for my son, for him and his access to technology. And I know that then again, there's always these parents who will say, oh, but sure, he has to learn how to use the computer. It's all going to be computers in the future. But there is a difference, isn't there, Inuming? There is a difference between giving him free access to absolutely everything and making conscious choices so that he can learn impulse control in these environments. And I put all of this to you to start our conversation 
as someone. <laughs> no pressure at all. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I put it all to you because you are someone who is proof that there is a career to be made in gaming itself and that that is something that we may need to and will need to embrace as a culture. Yeah, and I think you've brought up some really interesting points there, particularly around just the usage of technology. Now, I haven't seen that documentary myself, but I always feel that it touches on the addictive nature of technology. I feel like we actually do know that, but for some reason, we tend to just gloss over it. Mm. And despite the fact that it's reiterated again and again that, you know, that that the companies there don't really care about the person, they care about the usage of the technology and how long we're spending on things. Mm. But yeah, I've created this, I suppose... I saw the benefit of technology earlier on, particularly to do with social media and uh, my love of gaming and to create a space for myself in the online world where I could share my love for it and also to be in control of it. Because I think that's a big thing that perhaps that we have all lost is that control because we are like these mindless robots almost (laughs) sifting through all this online rubbish and it it never ends. It really is that kind of uh, slot machine addictive nature that has come over us. But Mm. I think you're you're right. The hardest thing is you know, separating that. When is it tech time? You know, when when is it for enjoyment? When is it for, for work? When is it for your kids or whatever? It's such a really tricky balance mm. to get right. Mm. I presume that you, you struggle with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there I am making, uh, getting scared last night, um, uh, fully aware that I know how addictive my phone is. I know and I've, I've watched things and read stuff, but yet I am addicted. Uh, 100% addicted to social media, addicted to Instagram, feel the compulsion to uh, check my phone at all times, can't leave it out of my grasp, can't get anxious if it's not nearby and struggle to release and rest and relax. And part of the reason why we started the Irishman running abroad was at least that's an hour out of the day where you are not connected to this machine. Games, though, Unaming, games, though, that's the that's the topic for today, because Mikey, of course, comes to me and says, well, are we going to get a PlayStation or what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and like, it, it's a legitimate question. And it's a question I've asked myself, like, why? Why haven't I done this? And honestly, the answer is I fear, fear, fear for my work, fear for how much of my time would be soaked up by it. And then I'm watching him who at the age of 10 is much more of a gamer than I ever was. The games seem so much more smart and directed to him and fully satiate that need for a group affirmation, the uh, approval of friends. I mean, his current game is Among Us. This mm-hmm. is a game. Maybe you explain to people what Among Us is and how people on Twitch are raking in a fortune each month from having kids Mikey's age simply watch them play the game. They're not even playing themselves. 
Yeah, so I kind of think that Among Us is a fascinating example because that game is, funny enough, not new. It came out in 2018 and it's only recently it gained in popularity due to, I suppose, the pandemic is one of the things, but also the fact that so many people, so many big streamers picked up on it and decided to showcase it. And it's basically a game where you're in a spaceship. Well, there's three areas, but the main one is in your, you're in a spaceship and it can be one to three people are imposters. So one people they have to kind of get along with the crew and just pretend that they're doing tasks meanwhile <laughs> the rest of the crew are trying to avoid getting murdered by them essentially <laughs> yeah it is weird like uh, Mikey explained it to Tina quite well when he said it's essentially a video game Cluedo uh, yes. where the murder hasn't taken place you know that the murder is among us and I loved that he was able to articulate it <laughs> that way but that, that's it and and that you know is appealing. I mean, that is it. It involves so much uh, kind of uh, um, mystery and intrigue and action. In yes. Each and every time is different. But uh, explain to us the Twitch phenomenon then, because Mikey will say to me things like, well, you know, uh, Mr. Peach or whatever his name is, is Mr. Fruit, I think his name is, is this huge uh, gamer who's making millions from his Twitch streams. Now, there's an awful lot of words there that loads of people go, <laughs> what's he talking about? Can you explain exactly what this phenomenon of viewing people playing games is? Yeah, it can be a tricky one. I think you, he might have been referring to Mr. Beast, but I'm not sure. Maybe. But the, <laughs> but basically, I always compare it to, okay, so you know the concept of Gogglebox, right? Yeah. So you watch people reacting to a TV show or whatever, that you're doing the exact same thing over on Twitch, but you're watching people react to a video game. Hmm. And that's what the coolest thing, though, about Twitch is that you're able to interact with the audience. So there you have it. That's the abridged version of the selection box. Our chosen charity partner, as always, is Jigsaw.ie. Please, please go and visit their website. Whether there's a young person in your life or not, you know how difficult it is to be young in a pandemic. I mean, I can't even imagine what young people are going through. So I'm delighted to have partnered with Jigsaw this year and to direct people to donate money to help them continue to provide these services to help young people learn the mental health skills they'll need to survive in life and get on in life. Uh, we all needed that. Now Jigsaw is here and through their phone line and all their resources, they've been providing a wealth of information and services and training and classes and webinars for young people across Ireland, across all communities. But they need your help to do it. So head over there today, jigsaw.ie. Uh, to donate or check it out. Uh, as I say, the full selection box is now on Patreon, available with a full breakdown of every single recommendation and where to find it. That is at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. My thanks to Brian Connolly for his production, to Tina and Mikey, as always. And finally, I want to say uh, one quick shout out to Jane Babb, who is a regular listener to the show who uh, is involved in something special for Alexandra College in Dublin. And I agree to give it a shout out because Alexandra College in Dublin uh, welcomes boarders from all over the world and Ireland with uh, as much emphasis on theatre, music and sport as on their academics. The school facilitates girls to immerse themselves in Ireland 
while looking outward. It is, see, like Jane explained it to me, it's a very really special place and they, where they kind of teach them to learn, to love learning and express themselves and empathise and shape the future. Uh, well, obviously, they need to go virtual this year with their open day on January 23rd. And you can visit the school from anywhere in the world and chat with the teachers and the students about living and learning at Alex. Just register at alexopenday at alexandracollege.ie or go to the website. I mean, it's easy to Google it, alexandracollege.ie. EU, I think, is the uh, is the website. But I also want to say that over on the full selection box, they'll have my own uh, recommendations. A couple of things that uh, I've picked out from the year, including stand up comedy, uh, one TV series that I particularly liked. uh, And of course, my recommendations on podcasts. I feel like I'm qualified enough to recommend a few podcasts that you might have missed across the year. Uh, A couple of things that are off the radar that you will enjoy. All of that and more over at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad.